Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Uh, for those who really want to know what the Bible actually says, this is the program for you. Well, the title of this Bible study is What is the Beast, or I should have said Who is the Beast as well. But before I get into that, I, I hope anyway that you've heard what has happened uh, Friday. Uh, I, I must address this issue because it's just a, a terrible, terrible tragedy. Um, I'm going to go to the Wikipedia article here to help me with this. Uh, the 2012 Aurora shooting, this unfortunately happened around the same area that the Columbine shootings happened. And it seems like this area seems to have uh, a, I don't know, unfortunate occurrence of people that just lose their minds. But anyway, on uh, July 20, 2012, a gunman opened fire during a midnight premiere of the film, The Dark Knight Rises. <clears throat> in a Cinemark movie theater in Aurora, Colorado, killing 12 people and injuring 58 others. says the gunman, acting alone and dressed in protective clothing, entered the theater and set off tactical grenades, then opened fire on the theater goers with multiple firearms. The attack received worldwide media coverage, of course, with the advent of the Internet uh, and social media. That's what's going to happen and with our modern technology. And this individual being one of the, actually this event, being one of the deadliest mass murders in contemporary United States history. So this is uh, definitely a major event. Um, I need to spend a little time on this to help us understand why this occurred. Um, The guy, I was just reading up um, on the guy before this Bible study, he is a brilliant science student. So the guy is, is probably on genius level or whatever, and he his whole psyche changed into thinking that he was the devil. I'm not the devil, but the Joker, which is a symbol of the devil, really. Because the Joker, if you understand the, the character of the Joker, with Batman, all he does is just laugh at you and kill you. You know, and, that, and that's the way the, the devil is basically. Uh, there's a scripture that describes his character perfectly. If we look at First Peter, First Peter. Chapter 5, verse 8. This is the um, character of the devil, which is the, the, the Joker's character. First Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And this poor guy, um, 
obviously got possessed by a demon, obviously, and he just lost his mind. And he went on a rampage uh, at the theater. And he killed 12 people. And there's nine people in critical condition right now. And uh, 58 people were injured or, or shot. And so then people are saying, well, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Well, first of all, let me ask you a question. Why would people go at 12 o'clock at midnight with their children? You have women with kids, little kids, I mean, four, five, six years old, going to see a movie about a person dressed up in a bat costume and someone that looks like they had their, their mouth blown off and he has something on his uh, face uh, about them fighting and, and all kinds of violence and so forth. Now, I think this movie is rated PG-13, and I got this off the Motion Picture Association of America. This this is a PG-13 um, description, and this is what this movie was rated, PG-13. Parents strongly caution. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I think that's an understatement. But anyway, a PG-13 rating is a sterner warning by the rating board to parents to determine whether their children under age 13 should view the motion picture as some material might not be suited for them. A PG-13 motion picture may go beyond the PG rating in theme, violence, nudity, sensuality, language, adult activities, or other elements, but does not reach the, the restricted R category. The theme of the motion picture by itself will not result in a rating greater than PG-13, although depictions of activities related to a mature theme may result in a restricted rating for the motion picture. Any drug use will initially require at least a PG-13 rating. More than brief nudity will require at least a PG-13. So you can have more than brief nudity at a PG-13 rating. But such nudity in a PG-13 rated motion picture generally will not be sexually orientated. There may be depictions of violence in a PG-13 movie, but generally not both realistic and extreme or persistent violence. A motion picture single-use of one of the harsher sexually-derived words, though only as an expletive, Initially requires at least a PG-13 rating. More than one, says more than one such expletive requires an R rating, as much even one of those words used in a sexual content. The rating board, nevertheless, may rate such a motion picture, uh, PG-13, if based on a special vote by a two-thirds of the majority, the raters feel that most American parents would believe that a PG-13 rating is appropriate because of the context or manner in which the words are used or because the use of those words in the motion picture is in inconspicuous. Now, anyway... To summarize that, the PG-13 rating indicates that the movie does have some what they call adult content. I call it wicked content that either a child or an adult should not be looking at. But case in point, uh, the children definitely should not have been there to see this movie. And to to get up at 12 o'clock during the work week to go see a movie that really... <laughs> To get right down to it, no movie to me is worth getting up at 12 o'clock at midnight in the middle of the work week to go see. First of all, uh, that that's you know we all should be in the bed at 12 o'clock. But it just shows you how we are as Americans. We value entertainment so much, so much, and 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 we put our money into it so much. It's a billion, it's billions of dollars made in the entertainment industry. And this individual obviously thought he was the Joker. That's how much he was wrapped up into this. 
he shot people at the event, so there's no way on earth you can say that this event was not linked to Batman. He was thinking of being the Joker, the Batman's enemy. And it it, it should get people to understand how perverted our society is. To, to to be all wrapped up into this movie. What is Batman going to do for you or me? What is looking at people that have made millions of dollars off off this movie, the people that are going to just go see this movie just to be entertained, all this money. I know God wishes that we paid more attention to him and we got up at 12 o'clock and prayed to him about being close to him and, 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 and changing, doing Teshuva, repenting, for you know that the kingdom of God is near. Then focusing on a movie that's not going to do you hardly any spiritual good at all. So this event should wake people up that want to understand the Bible, to help you understand how we are as a nation, as a world, that we focus more on the creation, more than the creator. And we've got to understand that Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and all these... Uh, I mean, when, when you look at uh, the highest-rated movies, uh, the movies that make a lot of dollars, it either has violence in it, it has uh, heroes, and that has violence in it, they have nice-looking women in it. It has sin involved in the movies, and, and sin attracts people today, unfortunately, in the end times, more so than it ever has. God doesn't attract people. Get God away from me. I don't want to hear about the Holy One. You know, I, I, I don't want to hear about how I need to change. I don't need to change. This is America. It's free. I want to do what I want to do. You know, and, and, and that's, that's the message that we have uh, in this country. But God states here, God states here in Hosea chapter 4, about this nation, about people in the world in general. Hosea, chapter 4. Starting in verse 1, he says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. And, and again, let me just stop here and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And it says, verse 5, But, many, but with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Verse 6, Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So the, the the Old Testament is written for our examples, folks, not just the first five books, but all the prophetic books. So, you know, you, you know, we have to take what the Bible says seriously, folks. We must do that. And, and we must take the prophetic word seriously. And Second Peter chapter 3, verse 2, Actually, verse 1, 2 Peter 3, verse 1. This second epistle, a letter, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir your pure minds by way of remembrance. Verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, which Hosea is one of them, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior. 
All right, so we need to take these prophetic words seriously. I just wanted to, to quote those two scriptures for those who think that the Old Testament is toilet paper, which it isn't. So back to Hosea, and then, of course, Yeshua stated in Matthew 4, verse 4, or Jesus, that we must live by every word of God, and certainly the book of Hosea is part of the word of God. So anyway, verse 1, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord have a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, no mercy, no knowledge of God in the land. Now, this is prophetic because this can apply not just for the United States, but all countries around the world. There's hardly any truth. What is truth? Psalm 119, verse 142, is the teachings and doctrines of God. Mercy is having compassion, not only for your own family, but for people that are outside of your family, realizing that we all are family. We all come from one blood. We all have two parents, Adam and Eve nor knowledge of God in the land. Verse 2, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. Blood touches blood. And then let me go down to verse 6, the point that I'm trying to make. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee that you shall be no priest to me, seeing you have forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. That's what he did last night, unfortunately. Uh, and and it's, it's going to continue on, folks, because God doesn't like you forsaking him. He does not like you forsaking him. And Verse 10, For they shall eat and not have enough, they shall commit whoredom, and shall not increase, because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Verse 11, whoredom and wine, and new wine take away the heart. And he's not just talking about sexual whoredom, physical sexual whoredom. He's also talking about spiritual. When you when you focus on Batman and, and, and other things that don't really have any value, and wine and new wine take away the mind. Verse 12, my people ask counsel at their stocks and their staff declare unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms has caused them to err, and they have gone a-whoring from under their God. And that's, that's whoredom to God when you forsake him. So, you know, folks, we, we, we need to understand this event, and I hope it wakes up some of you to the reality that we need to get back to our God, the God of the Bible. This guy obviously wasn't studying the Bible for him to do what he did. And he had probably at least one demon, if not several demons, influencing him to do what he did. And uh, I feel sorry for him, but hey, he did this and he's going to have to pay the consequences for what he did. And I feel we need to pray for the families that have to endure uh, the suffering, uh it's such a unnecessary and foolish and stupid act that was committed here. But unfortunately, folks, it's going to get worse than this. It's going to get far worse than this. And we need to be prepared because we have not stopped our abominable drug use. We have not stopped uh, abortions. We have not stopped looking at pornography, uh, what the Bible defines as fornication. Uh, we continue to look at movies far worse than Batman. Uh, pornography movies uh, and so forth as long as we continue to do that God is not going to be around us and he's going to allow these curses to continue he's going to allow these mass murders and, and other things to continue on if we were a righteous nation 
truly a righteous nation, none of, none of these things would happen. So is, is something wrong with the way we think? Is something wrong with society? As uh, Jeremiah tells us here. Jeremiah chapter 51. Starting in verse 7. Babylon, which I'm going to talk about today, has a lot to do with the beast, has a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. The nations, and he's talking about spiritually drunk here, the nations have drunken of her wine, therefore the nations are mad. And that word mad means foolish. And the Bible's definition of somebody who's a fool uh, is someone that will not listen to instruction. Uh, Proverbs 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So you have to fear the Lord. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And what is the Bible definition of the fear of the Lord? Well, let's find out. Put it in my concordance here. Well, it says, first of all, in Proverbs 19, verse 9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous together. So obviously it has something to do with the judgments of the Lord. And uh, Psalm 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. So keeping the commandments has something to do with fearing the Lord. And then in Proverbs 8, verse 13, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way in the forward mouth do I hate. The fear in Proverbs ten verse twenty seven, the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The, and, and the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. In Proverbs fourteen verse twenty seven, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Proverbs 15, verse 33, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Humility, you have to humble yourself. Proverbs 16, verse 6, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. So you have to have compassion. And truth is the doctrines of God. In Psalm 119, verse 142, The teachings of God. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. That's how you get rid of iniquity by keeping the commandments of God and being compassionate and merciful and really caring about people. That's how you get rid of sin. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Proverbs 19, verse 22, the fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that have it abides satisfied, he shall not be visited with evil. And then Proverbs 22, verse 4, by humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. And that means basically that you have what you need. And it could also mean riches. And then Proverbs 23, verse 17, Let not thine heart envy sinners. Don't be jealous of sinners. But be thou in the fear of the Lord all day long. All the day long. And I know this individual probably was thinking about being a joker all day long. But God wants you to be in fear of him, to hate evil, and to focus on the Bible all day long. And me people to say that, well, that's ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous. It's not any ridiculous than focusing on Batman and and, and going going to see a ridiculous idiotic movie at twelve o'clock at midnight with your your kids, five or six year old kids. It's ridiculous. Which is more ridiculous? You tell me. 
All right, so it's just it's just ridiculous. So anyway, we we need to to get our our minds focused on what really counts, folks. And it certainly isn't Batman and fantasy and Spider Man and all that. I mean, that, we we got our focus off things uh, that we shouldn't be focusing on, and we should be focusing on God, uh, true success. Uh, if you know you want to know what that is, let's turn to Joshua. Chapter 1, it gives us an outline of what true success is all about. Uh, Joshua 1, verse 8, This book of the law, which is the entire Bible, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but you shall meditate or think about it there in day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make thy way prosperous, meaning that you will have what you need, and then you shall have good success. That's how you have success. Not focusing on Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and, and violent, idiotic movies that has shootings in it and thugs and all that. That's not going to focus. That's not going to help you have true success. True success is not just having money, folks. It's, it's, it's being able to be at peace with yourself and with all of mankind. That's true success. And just like Yeshua stated, uh One's life does not consist of the things that you possess. And many people, especially in America, think that's the case. And that's not the case, folks. You know, God is not looking at how much money you have. He's looking at uh, your attitude. How do you treat people? Those are the things that he's looking at. He's not looking at how much money you have to spend. Uh, that That's not going to, that's the case. All rich people will be in the kingdom of God. And you know what he said about rich people is difficult, not impossible, but difficult for them to enter the kingdom of God. And why is it? Why is that the case? Because they focus too much on money. They focus too much on money and what money can do for them. You know, and that's that's not the focus of pure religion, which in James 1 verse 27, pure religion is to visit the fatherless and the widows uh, in other words, the poor, people who, because that's a symbol of the um, the poor, the widows and the fatherless, and, and then keep yourself unspotted from the world. Now, how do you how do you keep yourself unspotted from the world? Well, you, you do that by keeping the commandments. By keeping the co- commandments of God. That's how you keep yourself unspotted from the world. And, and many people don't, don't understand that, and... Um, because they don't understand it, that's one of the reasons why the world is the way it is today. So let this event wake you up here um, to reality here and realize our, our, our mental state here. Uh, in Luke 12, verse 15, it states plainly, Take heed and beware of covetedness, for a man's life consists, or a woman's life does, does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. And it doesn't. And, and unfortunately, in America, we, we're taught that uh, subliminally or through movies that uh, money is, is, is what we need to, to be successful. If that's the case, Tiger Wood would be considered successful, right? He's, you know, he, he's not successful right now, maybe mon- monetarily, but as far as his whole life, he gave up a beautiful wife for, for sex and having sex with several different women, uh, yeah, Michael Jordan, uh, he got a divorce. Uh, you, you know, it's just a lot of people that of notoriety have had issues and problems. And money does not wipe away those problems unless you use the money to, to get close to God and, and to study 
and, and, and to really change yourself. And we all got things to do to change ourselves. So anyway, I hope I've sparked something within your brains here to help you to realize there's something finally wrong with society today. And and we need to repent of this fanaticism with with entertainment and games and having fun. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those things if those things don't take you away from obeying God, which uh, last night obviously did. So anyway, let's talk about what is the beast here. And before I, I get into the detail about who and what is the beast, we need to understand where we're at here far as historically and many people just don't seem to get this but uh, the common theme of this whole Bible study here because the beast the geopolitical system of this world the educational and financial system of this world that's what this beast is all about it's about confusion it's about Babylon uh, but one scripture I think says it all sums it all up and God is so wise that in one scripture he can sum up everything. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 7. He states, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. But I want us to focus on the rich rules over the poor. It was true back then, and it's certainly true today. And that's where we're at right now. The rich rules over us as far as commodities, resources, and they control how we think. And how do they control how we think? Well, they, they control how we think through television and, and, and the movies. And this is from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It says dedicated to the health of all children, but you know this can apply also to adults as well. And... It states here that children in the United States watch about four hours of TV every day. That's 28 hours of television. Watching movies on tape and playing video games only adds to time spent in front of the TV screen. It may be tempting to use television, movies, and video games to keep your child busy, but your child needs to spend as much time growing and learning as possible. Playing, reading, and spending time with friends and family are much healthier than sitting in front of a TV screen. I've tried to teach my son that, that playing, reading, and spending time with friends, if you have them, and family, are much healthier than sitting in front of a television screen. And it talks about all the other deadly effects that uh, entertainment has uh, on people. you know, And, and, it's, and it's just uh, horrible. And then I think the average time an American looks at television is too, is too much. I think it's five or six hours of television every day. So we're talking about anywhere from 35 to 42 hours of television. And what's mostly on television? Sex, violence, and, and, and vulgar words and everything else. And, and if you allow your mind to constantly look at that stuff, you, you're not going to be able to think properly, and you're certainly not going to want to have anything to do with God. So so the rich, is, they're doing their job through the media and, and so forth to, to get us off of God and that's unfortunate, and not not to say that all the rich are, are, are wicked, but based on the words of Christ, he said it's very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Obviously, quite a few of them are, according to that statement. Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 5. 
This is prophetic. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I rise, says the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. And in a way, he's going to rise first. He's going to allow folks, I'm sorry, he's going to allow the prophecies of the Bible to be fulfilled so he can come back and rule this earth so oppression will not be in existence anymore. Many people don't understand the plight of the poor. But God prophesies about it in, in Psalm chapter 10, verse 1. Why standest thou far off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Verse 2. The wicked in his pride does persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. Verse 3. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire and blesses the covetous. The covetous. Whom the Lord abhors. So he doesn't like people's attitude when it comes to coveting. Wanting more than what you should have. That's what coveting is. Verse 4, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance or his face, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. So people that are wicked, they don't think about God. They don't want to have God on their minds. Verse 5, his ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. Verse 6, he says in his mind, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. I've heard some people actually tell me that, <laughs> and they don't understand that they will be very, very much so. The whole world is going to be affected soon. Uh, verse 7, his mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. Verse 8, he sitteth in the lurking places of the villages. This is happening around the world as I'm speaking. In the secret places does he murder the innocent. Um uh, I guess the, the abortions, abortionists, uh, they don't do it in secret, but it's still, they're murdering the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lieth and waits secretly as a lion in his den. He lies and waits to catch the poor. He does catch the poor when he draws him into his net. Verse 10, he crouches and humbles himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. Verse 11, he has said in his heart, God is forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. And that's when they, they were wrong about that. Verse 12, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thy hand, forget, forget not the humble. Verse 13, Where does the wicked content or contemn God? He has said in his heart, You will not require it. Thou hast seen it. You have behold mischief and spite to requ requite it with thy hand. A poor committeth himself unto thee. Thou art the helper of the fatherless. He's the helper of the fatherless. Verse 15, Break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. Verse 16, the Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his out of his land. Verse 17, thou hast, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart, and you will cause thine ear to hear. Verse 18, the judge, the fatherless, and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may no more oppress. So we know that that's going to happen in the future, because the oppression is still here, folks. And in Malachi 3, verse 5, and I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, and against false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages. Uh, that's what's happening right now. The widow and the fatherless, and, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, says the Lord of hosts. So that that's what's going on right now, folks, and in, in Proverbs 30, verse 14. Proverbs 30, verse 14. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives. 
to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. And that's where we're at right now, folks. So we are in this state. And I'm going to read something a little bit from the State of Working America, 2008-2009. Uh, this is um, a little short article. Uh, Mending long, broken economy is the next challenge. You could Google that if you want to read that article for yourself. But it says right here, co-authored by Michelle, Jared Bernstein, and Heidi Sherholtz. The book explores the growing gap between the economy's uh, potential and its real impact on people's lives. On the potential side, the authors show that during the 2001-2007 business cycle, the nation's output GDP grew 2.5% per month, nearly 20% across the full recession and recovery cycle. If that healthy growth had been broadly shared, it would have benefited people at all income levels. In reality, however, most gains were concentrated among the wealthiest few, making this business cycle the first on record in which inflation-adjusted income for middle-class families was actually lower at the end of the cycle than at its beginning. The U.S. jobs creation machine broke down during the business cycle of 2000-2007, leaving millions of families facing an enormous and long-lasting threat to their economic security. We need to rebuild our economy with long-term policies that can move us toward full employment and true shared prosperity. That says key findings reported in the State of Working America 2008-2009 include the rich got the lion's share. From 1979 to 2006, the richest 1% more than doubled their share of the country's total income, rising about 10% to nearly 23% for an average income of about $1.3 million per household within this group. About 91% of all income growth in the, in the country went to the top 10% by income, leaving just over 9% to be parceled out among the remaining 90%. So... That's that's the situation that we're in right now, unfortunately, and and uh, it's just only getting worse. And this was back in 2009. Uh, the CEO worker pay gap grew by a factor of 10. In 1973, the average CEO was paid $27 for every dollar paid to a typical worker. By 2007, that ratio has grown to $275 to one. So this is just as unfortunate. It says young workers now start out behind their peers from previous generations. Young men with only a high school education earn $2.55 less per hour in 2007 after inflation adjustment than their predecessors did in 1973, down from $14.34 to $11.79. And this is, this again, this is very unfortunate. Hourly pay for young college grads has declined. Real hourly wages were lower in 2007 than in 2000 for young college-educated workers, 69 cents per, per hour lower for men, and 32 cents less for, for women. So this, this, this is um, a very, very um, sobering thing here. Worker output race ahead, but pay trade farther behind. A typical worker's compensation wages plus benefits which has traditionally risen in sync with productivity gains, began falling behind in the 1970s. Since then, the gap has widened dramatically as productivity kept climbing while compensation has remained essentially stagnant. That is the oppression of the hireling of his wages, folks, and that's one of the reasons why Yeshua, the Messiah, will come back and stop this monkey business with not paying people from what they're worth. As far as our United States national debt situation from 1938 to present, uh, you should Google that, United States National Debt, 1938 to present, an analysis of the presidents who are responsible for excessive spending. 
I'm looking at a, a map here, and from 1970, when we had to had start of the Korean War, actually after World War II, we were okay. But uh, under Truman and Eisenhower, the Korean War, we just slightly got a little bit in the debt. And then the Vietnam War, uh, after Kennedy had his half his head, well, one-fourth of it blown off, um, that's when our national debt started to slightly increase. And then under the Reagan administration, it skyrocketed. And then the first oil war, which was initiated by the first Bush, the senior Bush, it skyrocketed. And then under Clinton, it leveled off a little bit. And then under Bush, it skyrocketed. And Obama is, is really skyrocketed up, up into heaven, it looks like. you know. So that's where we're at right now as far as our ridiculous spending, our irresponsible spending. And we have to understand the world that we're living in right now. And um, I'm going to use the Bible for this in the the remaining 23 minutes. Hopefully I can get through with this. If not, then I'll go slightly over. And if I am cut off, then realize that um, you'll be able to access the completion of this Bible study in the archives later on today. All right, so let's answer the question here, and let's use the Bible here. I'm going to use scriptures to simplify this. I'm not going to get get into a real detailed discussion on trying to figure out when the Messiah is going to come back. The title of this Bible study is Who or, or What is the Beast? And so we're going to let the Bible tell us who, who the beast is. So let's go to Daniel chapter 2 first. Then we're going to go to Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 29, 2, verse 29, it says, As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into my mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass thereafter, and he that revealed secrets make known to thee what shall come to pass. So Daniel was a prophet, and God had him tell King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon at that time, what the king dreamed about as far as interpreting it. Verse 30, but as for me, the secret is not revealed for me for any wisdom that I have more than anything, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king that you might know the thoughts of thine heart. Verse 31, Thou, O king, saw and beheld a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image here was of fine gold, and his breast and the arms of silver, his belly and the thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet, part of iron and part of clay, thou sawest till the stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, and there were iron of clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, and the brass, and the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the shaft of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the entire earth. Verse 36 of Daniel chapter 2. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation there before the king. Verse uh, 37 of Daniel, Thou, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And remember that God is the one who gives kings. God is the one who made Barack Obama president. He's the one that does all that. Verse 38, And whoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the land and the fells of the heaven, have he given into thy hand, and has made thee ruler over all. Thou art the head of this gold. Okay, so we know the the head of the gold statue uh, is Babylon. So we know that. 
verse 39, and after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another kingdom of brass. Now we know the the other kingdom was Persia, Medes and the Persians, which shall bear rule over the earth. All right, and then we know the the third kingdom was Greece. Uh, most biblical historians understand this. And verse 40, and the fourth kingdom we understand is Rome. Shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh the pieces and subdue all things, and as iron that it breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And verse 41, and whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of the potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. Verse 42, as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partially strong and partially broken. Verse 43, and whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And verse 44, in the days of these kings, this is the days that we're living in now, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these other kingdoms, and they shall stand forever. It's talking about when the Messiah lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. That's what this is talking about here. Verse 45, For as much as thou sawest that the stone was, was cut out of the mountain without hands, that it break into pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God is made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And, and, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. So this is God's own words through the prophet Daniel. Now, let me give you a little, I'm going to try to simplify this as much as possible, give you a snapshot of history here. Um, this history began, of course, with Adam and Eve, but you know Adam and Eve's world and Noah's world was washed away. So really, as far as civilization, this current civilization, it began uh, with Nimrod, uh, chapter uh, Genesis chapter 11, with confusion, Babylon. Uh, they built Babel, which means confusion. And so it really began there. All right? And then after the Babylonian kingdom, we've had Egypt. Then Egypt... Uh, was taken over by Isaria, which Isaria, uh, the uh, the kingdom of Isaria, Iraq is was very much a part of, and then Babylon, uh, Iraq, again that's the area of Iraq, Isaria and Babylon, then Persia, is the area of Iran today, and then Greece. That initiated the start of Western civilization with Alexander the Great and so forth. We today still carry a lot of Greek influence in, in the way we think about things. Then from Greece came what? The Roman Empire. The Roman Empire. Uh, this includes Europe and also includes Britain. Many people don't understand that Britain was a part, a, a very a significant part of the Roman Empire. And Britain uh, had a lot to do with the expansion of Western civilization. As a matter of fact, through the British Empire, the Industrial Revolution began in the year 1800 A.D., which began uh, this poverty situation, this rich rule of over the poor situation, in such a fashion that it is really affecting millions of people around the world with not having enough to eat. The United States of America uh, created the nuclear bomb and in 1945, and August 6, 1945, began a nuclear bomb generation. Uh, we've had conflicts with Iraq and Iran, the area of Babylon, 
um, since the 1990s. Um, the United Nations was created in 1945. I call that the modern Tower of Babel. Uh, the NATO, I don't know if any of you are familiar with NATO, but NATO is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And the organization constitutes a system of collective defense whereby its member states agree to mutual defense or response to an attack by any external party. And NATO's headquarters are in Brussels, Belgium, one of 28 member states across North America and Europe. All right, so that is NATO. That's the military branch of the United Nations. And it consists of 24 European nations and four non-European nations, uh, which the United States and Canada and Britain is a part of. The Quartet was formed in the year 2002. It consists of the United States, Russia, the European Union, and Germany. That's the United States, Russia, the European Union, which you might as well put Germany, because Germany really is the most powerful or one of the most powerful uh, economic uh, countries in Europe, and the United Nations. So you have the United States, Russia, uh, the European Union, and the United Nations. That's the quartet. They were formulated in the year 2002, and their goal is to officially divide Jerusalem. So I, I just put that, hopefully, in a way where you can understand uh, in, a, in a simple way, anyway, where we're at and where we were and where we're at now in history and biblical history as far as prophecy is concerned. Now, the concept of multinational corporations. Let's understand multinational corporations in the light of the rich rule of the poor. The top 100 richest entities in the world, 50 of them are corporations. The rest are nations. So you, we have corporations influencing nations. And basically, multinational corporations, they want to eliminate your laws and currency to make things better uh, for them. Um, the focus on how they do that, they get cheap labor for more profits. And that's, that's all this offshoring and, and uh, doing labor or generating profit overseas, and they do this by hiring cheap labor in, 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 in China and in India and so forth. Now, what this effectively does is destroys national economies because the citizen is neglected for very cheap labor overseas. So again, this is the rich versus the poor scenario dynamic. Um, this is globalism, and globalism is destroying the middle class in this country. And then other countries will eventually take over the U.S. economically, and that's what's going on as I'm speaking. Uh, China holds, uh, I think, over a trillion dollars of our treasury bills, and if, if they wanted to cash those in, we would be devastated. Um, and these rich corporations, they support politicians that will benefit them. And remember that a president does not become president unless they get the backing of the, uh, some of these multinational corporations. And their agenda is to, is to destroy the national economy to make things better for them, um, to eliminate the, your laws and currency to make things better for them as well. And all this outsourcing is, is not benefiting the middle class in this country and, and, and around the world. And uh, the Council of Foreign Relations has a lot to do with this. 
they are located in uh, the state of New York, at the Trilateral Commission. All these organizations, their whole goal is to dominate the world. And so they are definitely a part of this beast that uh, the Bible describes. And uh, for those who don't know the truth about the Federal Reserve Bank, the Federal Reserve Bank was created in uh, 1913. It's, it's, not, it's a private bank. and Many people think it's a uh, government bank. No, it's a private bank. And the Federal Reserve Bank's job is to issue money or checks. And what happens is that the Federal Reserve Bank it loans money at interest to the United States federal government. And what the U.S. federal government does, it collects or levies income taxes to pay the interest on the debt. So we, the American people, are paying taxes to the, the United States federal government. The U.S. federal government, through those taxes, pay the, the Federal Reserve Bank. Now, I want you to understand something. The Constitution states that only Congress, only Congress, shall coin and regulate money, not the Federal Reserve, which is a private bank. It's a private bank. And the scenario that we're under right now, the U.S. Treasury Department prints bills or notes. Our money supply is increasing, but we don't have the assets to back up the currency. So we're just printing money out of thin air. Uh, we're currently right now at $16 trillion. I think it's $15 trillion. Uh, but really, the true national debt is, is close to around $75 trillion when you include the entitlement programs of uh, financial aid programs, welfare, Medicaid, and, and so forth. If you include all that, uh, unemployment insurance and all that, then our, our federal debt is so much higher than the, than the $15 trillion. So anyway, what happens when you increase the money supply is it lowers interest rates. And when you lower the interest rates, it would devalue the dollar. And that's what's going on right now. We're we're um, getting to the point now. Well, actually, I don't even think we even have, even have an interest rate right now. I think it's at zero. Uh, the Fed has said it that way. And it increases inflation, which increases prices. So that's the reason why prices are going to be going up. Uh, not just through this drought, but through this printing money out of thin air, um, that's what's going on right now is uh, because of the lower interest rates and increases inflation, and, and um, business people have to increase their, their prices for their services or products. And the Bible predicts that this is going to occur, and it is occurring. So that gives you a, 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 a simple, I hope, snapshot of what's going on so that you'll understand the rest of the scriptures I'm going to quote here. Uh, let's turn to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. So we're going to get into the beast now. Um, Daniel chapter 2 has something to do with the beast, but I'm going to point something out here that I recently noticed um, a few years ago. And, you know, most historians say, hey, this is talking about Babylon, uh, Medes and Persia and Greece and Rome, but it isn't, folks. It really isn't when you take a look at this. Um, in Daniel 7, verse 1, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed, and he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Verse 2, Daniel spoke and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. 
verse 3, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from another. So let's understand that these four beasts were diverse from one another. Verse 4, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Verse 5, and another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it, and they said unto it, Rise, devour much flesh. Verse 6, After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. Verse 7, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had a great iron teeth, it devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Verse 8, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things, which symbolizes the anti-Messiah. Verse 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, in the Ancient of Days, which is God the Father, did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Verse 10. A fiery stream issued and came forth before him. Thousands and thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. Verse 11. I beheld them because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, or which is the anti-Messiah, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. So this is talking about what will occur in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. As concerning the rest of the beast, yeah, uh, I'm going to be cut off here soon, so uh, I'm going to probably spend another 30 minutes on this. So when I'm cut off, uh, realize that uh, you'll be able to listen to the, the rest of the program in, in its entirety after I'm done, which I'm estimating I'll be done at 12.30. Just want to tell you that. All right, so, verse 12, as concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So, the rest of these beasts, there's four of them, first of all, and the rest of these beasts were allowed to continue to, to, to be alive. And they were prolonged for a season and a time, during the end time. Verse 13, and I saw in the night visions, behold, one like the Son of Man, which is the Messiah, Yeshua, came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days, which is the Father, and they brought him near before him. Verse 14, And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. Verse 15, I, Daniel, was grieved in the spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood and asked him the truth of all this, so he told me and made me know the interpretation of these things. So let's get to the interpretation. Verse 17. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Let me underscore that. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. So back in the days of Daniel, these kings did not arise yet. And many people mistakenly say, oh, this is talking about uh, Babylon. This is talking about Medes and Persia, the Medes and the Persians, uh, the, uh, the kingdom of Greece and Rome. No, it's not, folks. No, it's not. 
let, let's take a look at what the Bible is saying here. All right? Verse 18, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and even forever. So it goes, verse 17 and 18 of Daniel is significant. It says, these great beasts which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. So it's not talking about Babylon here because Babylon already rose out of the earth. So this is a future prophecy of four different kings that will rise in these times that we're living in, and they already are here. The genesis of them are anyway. Verse 18, But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever. So when these four beasts arise, then soon the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom. I want you to notice that the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom, which means the saints will rule with Yeshua, with the Messiah, and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Verse 19, then I would know the truth of the fourth beast. Now, this is the beast we need to focus on, folks. The fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were as of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, breaking pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. Now, it's, it's very interesting that this beast is described with iron and nails, okay, and, and so forth. It really is because uh, when we understand the nuclear bomb and what it consists of, uh, let me go back uh, the description of the fourth beast in verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong, exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, it devoured and broke into pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. So the nuclear bomb has everything to do with iron, folks. All right? And I'm not telling you the beast is a, is a nuclear bomb, but I'm telling you the beast will use a nuclear bomb. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. And you'll understand this in a minute as I read the rest of this. All right? um, it says right here, in verse 20, and see, one of the characteristics of this particular beast, it breaks things in pieces. It wants to destroy this fourth beast, and it has the power to do so. Verse 20, and of the ten horns that were in his head... And of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things. So this is the leader of the beast. He's a beast himself, but he's the leader of the beast, whose look was more stout than his fellows. That's the Antimessiah. Verse 21, I beheld, and the same horn made war, this little horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them. And then he's, he's talked about in Revelation chapter 13. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll go there later on. So... I have about one minute and 16 seconds left, so I'm going to be cut off soon. So when I am cut off, you won't be able to hear me. But you, I please invite you to, I implore you to listen to the rest of this very important Bible study as I reveal through the Scriptures who or what is the beast, because you need to know that. So let me continue on here and realize that I will be cut off here. And But you can listen to the rest of this in its entirety after I'm done, which I, I estimate I'll be done at around 12.30. It could go further than that, but I'm hoping that I can get done in the next 30 minutes. Okay, so, Daniel 7, verse 21, I beheld in the same horn, which is the Antimessiah, made war with the saints. And how did he make war? Through the beast, through the uh, geopolitical system, educational and religious false system that he has developed. 
and prevailed against them. Verse 22, until the ancient of days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. So again, the saints are going to be judging the world, the universe, with Yeshua and God the Father. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So the saints will possess the kingdoms of this world along with Yeshua. I don't know. If the, I don't think that's taught too often. Uh, in verse 23, verse 23, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. He'll break it in pieces. And how is he going to break it in pieces? Well, unfortunately, those nuclear bombs that were created in 1945, obviously, will be used. Because we don't have any other, um, as far as I know, we don't have any other uh, weapons to do what the Bible is describing, uh, to devour the whole earth and to tread it down and break it in pieces. Verse 24. And the ten horns out of, out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall rise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first and shall subdue three kings. All right? So of the ten kings, three of them are, are going to be wiped out. Verse 25, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, the Antimessiah, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and to think to change times and laws, so he will change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand a time and times and a dividing of time, a three and a half years. Three and a half years the beast will be allowed to rule. Verse 26, but the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Okay, so that is talking about four different beasts. Uh, these beasts has certainly something to do with the quartet that I just mentioned, the United States, Russia, the European Union, and the United Nations, um, I'm not going to say exactly which of those countries is each of these beasts in Daniel chapter 7, but obviously the fourth beast is going to be different from all the rest, and I can say with certainty that the United Nations and NATO will have something to do with this fourth beast. All right, so we, we need to understand that truth. Now let's turn to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. So again, in Daniel chapter 7, those four beasts, is it should be obvious to you that the United States, Russia, the European Union, and the United Nations has something to do with those four beasts. And the fourth beast in particular is Genesis and the United Nations. The United Nations are all the nations of the world united. And the anti-Messiah will will have ten of the most powerful nations or regions coming out of the United Nations or NATO that he will use to destroy the earth. He will use their weaponry and use all of their resources to do, do these things. Now, Revelation 13, verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. My style is to preach this in such a simple way. You know, it's not important. It's not as important to find out who the ten horns are as it's important to understand what this prophecy is talking about in the first place. Verse 2, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, 
and his mouth is the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and seat and great authority. So this is looking at the fourth beast as an amalgamation of all the rest of them. So the U.S., the Russia, the European Union, and the United Nations, those are four power blocks, and all these power, power blocks will be united into one beast. This beast consists of, of uh, is, is geopolitical. Uh, is, is, uh, it has everything to do with economics. Our educational systems, our religious systems, is all wrapped up into this beast. Verse 3, and remember that the devil gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. Verse 3, and I saw one of the heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Many people think this is an assassination. Um, I'm not going to say that. I, I think this is, is talking about that one of his heads were wounded, so it was stalled. This beast was stalled and, and finally doing what it was going to do, and his deadly wound was healed. We'll see whether or not this is representing an actual assassination. But I'm not going to put in there what I, you know, I'm not going to force my uh, other people's beliefs or mine into the scripture. Anyway, verse 4, and they worshiped the dragon which gave power into the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So the beast is an individual as well as the system that that individual is using to destroy. Verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue forty-two months, that's three and a half years. Verse 6, And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So this beast, this anti-Messiah, blasphemes the name of God and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Verse 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. I just mentioned that in Daniel chapter 7. And to overcome them, the little horn is this beast, to overcome them, and power is given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Verse 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have ear, let him hear. And let me pause and help you understand that. So people that refuse to obey God at this time, if they accept the mark of the beast, which is going to be talked about here in the rest of the verses, then their names will not be written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And then verse 9, that's why he says, if any man hear, have an ear, let him hear. Please listen to what I'm saying here. Verse 10, he that leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He that kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Verse 11, so there's there's two beasts here in Revelation chapter 13. The first beast is the amalgamation, a combination of the four beasts that are talked about in Daniel chapter 7. And you understand that Daniel chapter 7 reveals that these four beasts are not um, what has been historically taught in the past. These four beasts do not consist of Babylon, the Medes and the Pers Persians, uh, Greece, and Rome. It's referring to four completely different beasts that will exist in the 21st century. And right now, the genesis of those beasts consists of the quartet, which consists of the United States, Russia, the European Union, and the United Nations. That is the quartet. The quartet was formed in 2002. The quartet consists of all the nations of the world, all the resources and power of the nations. 
The goal of the quartet, and you can look this up in Wikipedia, is to officially divide Jerusalem, which is against God's will. So they want to divide Jerusalem. God says nay to that. So anyway, now this other beast, Revelation 13, verse 11. Now we're going to get to the religious part of the beast. And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. Okay? So he appears to be like Yeshua, or the Messiah. And, but he spoke as a dragon. He was deceptive and, trick, and tricky. Verse 12, and he exercised all the power of the first beast. The first beast is the geopolitical beast, the, edu the false education, uh, false uh, political, uh, false socioeconomic. It's the political side of it. This is the religious part of the beast. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Verse 13, and he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, similar to what Elijah did. Verse 14, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. This is a literal statue, obviously. And many people say, well, this is talking about Sunday worship, well, it could be talking about that, but it, this says a literal image to the beast. Now, if you look at Daniel chapter 3, that's what the king of Babylon did. He created an image, and people were made to worship that image. Um, when Christ said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, uh, when you see the abomination desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand uh, in the holy place, and if you understand what that's talking about, and you read uh, the Maccabees, uh, the apocryphal book of Maccabees, the first chapter, and you also read uh, Daniel, the uh, in the eleventh chapter, is talking. Let me uh, turn there here. Daniel chapter eleven. Daniel chapter eleven. See Daniel chapter eleven. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, and this is talking about what Antiochus Epiphanes did, actually in verse 30. For the chips of Chittim shall come against him, therefore he shall be grieved and return and, and, get, and, and have indignation against the holy covenant, that's, that's the holy people, the Jews. So shall he do, he shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the holy covenant, so that you had traitors or people among the Jews that forsook the holy covenant. Verse 31, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, that's the temple, and shall take away the daily sacrifice. That's the, the daily sacrifice was the um, sacrifice of the lamb in the morning and the evening. And they shall place the abomination that makes it, make them desolate, desolate. And so that occurred during the time of the Maccabees, during the rule of Antiochus Epiphanes uh, of Syria. And what he did, he put a statue of Zeus near the holy place, and he sacrificed lambs on, on the altar. Or not lambs, but pigs on the altar. So that was the abomination of desolation that Christ was alluding to uh, when, he, when he spoke about in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. So let's go back to Revelation chapter 13. And then uh, Daniel chapter 3 also is a type of what's going to occur in the end time as well. I don't know if the statue is going to be like the one that 
uh, King Nebuchadnezzar built, but obviously the scriptures state plainly there's going to be an image of the beast, or some sort of statue structure. All right, in verse 15, and he had power to stand, because Yeshua stated that it stands where it ought not, and uh, that it's going to be in the holy place or around the holy place. Verse 15, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be still killed. So, obviously, this is a statue, and miraculously, the statue is speaking. Verse 16, And he calls of all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Now, this mark has something to do with socioeconomics, because in verse 17 it says, And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. All right, so this mark, it may be a literal mark. Many people are thinking that uh, there could be a chip. We don't know. All we know is that this mark, you have to receive this mark to be able to buy or sell, to be able to function in society. If you don't receive this, then, you know, you're going to die or God is going to preserve you. And, you know, right now my attitude is this. I'm not going to accept the mark of the beast because later on ab above this uh chapter states uh the scriptures above this you won't be in the book of life if you accept the mark of the beast so i'd rather conserve my life and starve to death than <laughs> accept the mark of the beast and have food to be able to function but you know in the end that you're going to be thrown in a lake of fire i'm, I'm not going to go through that uh verse 18 of revelation chapter 13 here is wisdom let him that have understanding count the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number is 600 Three score and six, and there's a simple, well, not a simple, but a simple for me, I guess, because I've studied this. But um, let's understand what the 666 is, all kind of theories, and has really been figured out already, folks, uh, what this is. Arrhenius, um, uh, I'm reading from the uh, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary here. Arrhenius, in the second century, disciple of Polycarp, John's disciple, explained this number as contained in the Greek letters of Latinos. L being 30, A, 1, T, 300, E, 5, I, 10, N, 50, O, 70, S, 200. So that's using the uh, Roman uh, numerals. It all adds up to 666. The Latin is peculiarly peculiarly, the language of the Church of Rome. In all her official acts, the forced unity of language and ritual being the counterfeit of the true unity, the premature and spurious anticipation of the real unity. So, in other words, this is talking about the Roman Empire. Now, it says the Hebrew words of Balaam amount to 666, which is interesting, a type of false prophet whose characteristics, like Balaam's, will be high spiritual knowledge perverted to satanic ends. The number six is the world number, in 666, it occurs in units, tens, and hundreds. Okay? So, let's understand what this 666 represents. It represents the Roman Empire, um, which has everything to do with the United Nations, Western civilization. Western civilization, as I tried to explain to you, the Britain was a major part of Western civilization. It was a part of the Roman Empire. And the Britons... Uh, had a definite influence of the way we live today through the Industrial Revolution. That began um, our pursuit of technology to make work easier, to be able to not to have to hire that many people because of technology. That's where we're at today. 
Uh, we're at the point now, as I explained earlier, where we're outsourcing uh, work overseas so that we can make as much money as we can so we don't have to pay anybody. That's what in the Industrial Revolution, unfortunately, has led us to do, be, to do now. It was some positive things, but there's some great negative things that occur because of it. And right now we are living in a world that is such a gap between the rich and the poor right now. It's just not even funny. Uh, matter of fact, uh, well, actually, it's not funny at all. Uh, let me turn to my uh, website here, and there's some interesting uh, information that you need to know, for those who don't know. Servants of God. Go to my website here and click on Poverty Facts. Now, this is an excellent website if you want to understand where we're at and and as far as socioeconomics, in other words, trying to make a living, the stay of bread, as the Bible states in Isaiah chapter 3. Poverty, facts, and stats, global issues. It says almost half the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. That's sad. And at least 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. That's what the Industrial Revolution has done to us, folks. Uh, uh, we were originally an agrarian society. We lived, we each had a farm, and we were able to create our own grocery store, basically. But now we have to go to the grocery store. Uh, people are forced to, to work, to go on foot to work, Um at a company and, and so forth, and and we've lost the the art of working with our hands. Uh, many Americans, uh, not to say that a desk job is not work, it's just that we should still try to develop a trade, uh, some kind of skill with our hands that 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 uh, we we actually work with our hands. That's why many of us are overweight today because we don't have those type of jobs anymore that we used to do when we are were agrarians, uh, uh, having having um, being involved in agriculture and being able to have your own farm, the family farms and so forth, those are almost non-existent today. It's one of the reasons why we're in utter poverty today around the world. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. So anyway, uh, we understand that the beast is a geopolitical and religious system uh, many people think that Revelation 13 is talking about the Pope. We don't know. Uh, the Pope leads the um, number one religion in the world as far as um, believers. I think it's two billion people, the Catholic Church. But we don't know if the Catholic Church will be the religion, the religious organization that's going to be form, formulated by the Antimacide. We don't know that. That's just speculation, but we don't know. Uh, more likely it has something to do with it. So I hope that you understand who the beast is. The beast is a, is a man, and there, there's two beasts primarily that the Bible is talking about. There, there's the man that leads the beast. The beast is a man. Is also uh, is, is two men actually. Is is one man that leads the political, governmental beast, and there's another one that leads the religious beast. That's that's, that's uh, talked about in Revelation chapter 13. But the beast is also the, the system itself that both these individuals rule over. Because let's understand that um, the uh, second beast has all the authority of the first beast. 
Revelation 13, verse 12, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him. So they're, they're kind of like on, on equal settings, both of them. So this beast, this beast uh, will be destroyed along with um, his cohort or his uh, person in arms, so to speak. Revelation chapter 17. Verse 1, let's read the good news here. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. This is the description of the beast again. Verse 2, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Verse 3, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. So the woman is influencing this beast. Okay, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads, and I'm going to tell you what the Bible says the woman is here in a minute. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon the scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Verse 4, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Verse 5, And upon... Her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Verse 7, An angel said unto me, Wherefore did thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that care of her which have the seven heads and ten horns. So here's the interpretation. Let's listen up. Verse 8, The beast that was, that thou sawest was, and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into destruction. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life and the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Verse 9, And here is the mind which have wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains of which the mountain of the woman sitteth. There are yet seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short space. So he's talking about whatever will formulate out of the United Nations and NATO, whatever kingdom that is, will come, and it will continue a short time. Verse 11, And the beast that was and is not, even he is the ape. So this kingdom that will come out of the United Nations and NATO, uh, it says it's of the seven and goes into perdition. Verse 12, and then the, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings, or ten kingdoms, or ten regions, we don't know, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. So these ten kings are, are linked with the beast. This is what the beast will use to destroy the world, through obviously through nuclear bombs and other, other armaments and, and weapons. Verse 13, but the world won't be so destroyed that, that uh, all mankind will be destroyed. Uh, it'll be some people on the earth still. Verse 13, these have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called chosen and faithful. Those are the angels and saints that will be with him when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. That's outlined in Zechariah chapter 14. And verse 15, And he that said to me, The waters which you saw where the horse sits are peoples, multitudes, and nations, and tongues. So this woman influences the entire world. And what this woman uses is the beast to destroy and to influence and to control. Verse 16, 
And the ten horns which you saw upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So this is interesting that those ten horns that the beast use will destroy this whore. Now we're going to get into understanding who this whore is. Verse 17. For God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of, of, of God shall be fulfilled. Now here's the definition, the Bible definition of who the woman or the whore is. And the woman which thou saw is that great city that reigned over the kings of the earth. So this city, the woman is a city, and this city sits on uh, this beast and the ten horns, okay? And this woman says right here, verse 3, And so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads. So this woman, this great city, this great city sits on the beast. Now, what what is the greatest city in the world right now, folks? The most powerful city in the world. Many people say is Rome. Not really. Not when you include uh, the description of um, Babylon. And then Revelation chapter 18 tells you that the city of Babylon, all right, which is, talks about the city, uh, Revelation 18, verse 10, standing afar for the fear of torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth the merchandise anymore, the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and the fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and orders ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and the souls of men. Keep in mind, and in New York City, New York City, uh, 60% of, of all the uh, companies on the New York Stock Exchange, they trade. They don't trade dollars. They trade their services and products uh, to get the things that they need. So this is what this is talking about in a sense of, of uh, trading and and trading all kinds of merchandise and so forth. And verse 14, And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which are were dainty and godly, goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. Verse 15, The merchants of these things which were, and there's $2 billion in trade done every year with a B, which is interesting. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of thy torment, weeping and wailing. Verse 16, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour so great riches has come to naught. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea, trade by sea, stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, Weeping. And wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city. And right now, there's no other city in the world that fits this description other than New York City. Now, it's possible because uh, the, we have uh, created some kind of uh, base there in Iraq that the, the old city of Babylon could end up being a description of the city in the end. But we don't know. Right now, we know that New York City fits this description perfectly. Uh, perfectly because the United Nations is located there. 
the United Nations is located there. Verse 19, And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city where were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. Rejoice over her, heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. And so it says the, the voice of harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee, and no craftsmen. You know, New York we, we are, New York City is famous for um, the various plays and entertainments that they have there. It is the financial capital of the world. Uh, when it, whatever the stock market does, the, if it sneezes, the whole world sneezes along with it. Uh, it definitely fits this description of the great city. And keep in mind, the United Nations is located there. The Trilateral Commission is located there. The Council of Foreign Relations is located there. The New York Stock Exchange is located there. Wall Street, they, uh, like I told you, $2 billion of trade is done every year. Uh, 60% of, of, of major companies, corporations, they trade. Uh, 60% of those in the stock exchange, they trade, just as they say in the Bible here about trading. And then, of course, you have... Uh, uh, many ships that come over uh, in the New York area, and, and they're coming with things to trade. So th this is definitely a, a, a real description of New York City. But it could change into being the actual city of Babylon. But right now, spiritually, <laughs> New York City is Babylon. It's, it's, it's the city of confusion right now, and it's the most powerful city in the world. And so it currently right now fits the description of the city of the whore, or the woman, that sits upon the beast. And the beast is right now in its genesis, the United Nations, which the United States has everything to do with because it's in the United States. So I, I hope I've explained this to you in a way that you understand. And in Revelation 20, tells you the destruction of not only the, the, the beast, the, the anti-Messiah, and the religious leader, the false prophet, that's what the Bible calls this other beast. But it also describes the destruction of the whole political and governmental system anyway, which is called the beast that the beast, these two beasts rule over and use uh, to destroy. In Revelation 20, verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. Verse 2, And he said, And he laid hold unto the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after he, that he must be loose a little season. All right. So first of all, he gets rid of the main problem, the the the, the source of the power to be. He gets rid of first God, and then verse four. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image. Neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And remember, if you do that, and if you're alive at this time, you will have lost your eternal life. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such a second death have no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. As, as I mentioned in Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 2. The kingdom of the beast will be given over to the saints and the Messiah. Verse 7. And when the thousand years were expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. 
okay, and shall go to see the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. So anyway, that that's another thing there, but I wanted to show you. Oh, in Revelation chapter 19, it shows us that. I'm sorry. Um, verse 20. And Revelation chapter 19 describes the, the return of Jesus Christ as well as Zechariah chapter 14. But anyway, Revelation 19, verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him. So the first beast is the geopolitical beast, the the the, the, the anti-messiah, the political anti-messiah that rules over uh, the the beast, the kingdom, uh, which right now in this genesis is the United Nations. And with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him which is the religious, many people think it's the Pope, but we don't know, we'll see. But it's, it's a great religious leader that, that looks like he has the power of Elijah calling down fire from heaven and making a statue of the political beast uh, appear to move. And w with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worship his image, these were both cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. All right, so... That's what's going to happen to these two beasts, the geopolitical beasts and then also the religious beasts. They will be destroyed. And then also in Daniel, the remaining beasts will be allowed to survive. It occurs, or it appears, based on Daniel chapter 7. Now, there's something else I wanted to point out, and I'm trying to break this in the simplest of ways that you understand. Um, Daniel chapter 11. Remember, the... And I, my Bible study last week, I kind of outlined what you need to be looking for. Right now, it appears that this country is going to get punished severely because of what Obama stated out of his mouth. Uh, he plainly stated, and this is the, the world's leader. He is the most powerful man in the world. He stated that two people of the same sex ought to get married. Well, ever since he said that, this country has been going through tremendous weather problems, and, and now we have a tremendous social problem. Uh, with the shooting of 12 people and a guy claiming that he's the Joker. And this has everything to do with this fictional, idiotic movie, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. So thing, I'm telling you right now on the Word of God itself, things are going to get worse. And the reason why I can say that confidently is because we as a nation, as a world, is not repenting, and the United States is a part of Israel. I've mentioned that many times, despite what some people think. Uh, you need to go to www.britam, B as in boy, R-I-T-A-M.org, to get proof of this. Um, the easiest way that I, I, I prove that we are is our characteristics. So we, in Isaiah chapter 1, it states that Israel are leaders of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, you leaders of Sodom and Gomorrah are described that way. And... Um, when you understand the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, it's not just homosexuality. It's also not taking care of the poor, being pride, having too much, uh, being lazy. Uh, that's a characteristic of a lot of people here in this country. Well, we, we, we come home after work, we look at television, and, and we just are couch potatoes, a lot of us. And, and uh, we are overweight, and, and, and God plainly revealed in the, in the scriptures that uh, we're Jezreel, we wax fat, and we're, we're fat people. You know, and, and uh, who are the fattest and richest people in the world? Whoever those people are, they're a part of Israel, according to the Bible. <laughs> so so that that's the way that I prove it, easily. And, and your Davidi gives you all the details. But uh, we are definitely a part of Israel. Um, 
and and, and the United States and Canada and the, and the British Commonwealth of Nations uh, are, are we have the most Bible distributions, and of course in the little nation of Israel, which is a part of Israel as well, we do. So we are the people of the book. Or we we believe in that book. Or we claim to anyway, but we just don't do what it says. And so when the Bible addresses Israel, remember that it's addressing our peoples. Uh, the modern we are a part of modern tribes of Israel. Whether you want to believe it or not, again. I implore you to go to www.b as in boy r i i I'm sorry b as in boy r a t I'm sorry b r i t a m dot org britam dot org your Davidi's website uh, to get more detail. Anyway, I want to read to you the prophecies here that that will involve the beast in the end time. Here, this is what we need to be looking for. Uh, again. We're going to have economic chaos. Uh, there's going to be more earthquakes, as Christ stated in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, we're going to have diseases. Uh, we're going to have more social violence. Uh, unfortunately, um, crazy stuff that's going to be occurring, all because people's minds aren't thinking properly. We have our minds on entertainment and, and fantasy, and, and we're really not thinking properly. And when you're not thinking properly, things like that happen. You're going to have, to have more people disgruntled about their jobs and people going. You've heard of this a few times, people shooting people in their jobs. and I don't know how many more times that's going to happen. Don't be surprised if that, that happens continuously. Um, and, and so there's going to be a lot of disturbances, according to what the Bible says. Uh, we're living in a very, very evil time. All right, And uh, we need to be prepared for it. And so uh, it looks like there could be a war in Damascus. NATO could go down there and do something. Um, everything points to a major war occurring soon, according to the words of Yeshua. World War Three is coming, folks. It really is. And we need to be prepared for it. Now, as I stated earlier, the temple of God must be built for the tribulation to occur, according to the words of Yeshua. And, and the Bible, I went over this last week. And once that temple is built, that's when the abomination of desolation can occur. Because when a temple is built, then the sacrifices will be reinitiated re again. And when those sacrifices are initiated again, then they're going to be stopped. And Daniel 11, verse 40. And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him. And the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind. The king of the south is interesting that Egypt, Egypt was the king of the south back then, and it may be the king of the south today in the end times. Uh, they have a, a Muslim, the Muslim Brotherhood, and they're against Israel and all that. And uh, their their government now is ruled by that faction. And at the time of the end, shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north, which is, it couldn't be Syria right now. So it has to be NATO, all right, the king of the north. Right now, it's, it's NATO. It could be something else in the future. She'll come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships. Now, if this is if this is Syria, because the king of the north back then was Syria, then they're going to have to have horsemen and many ships and chariots from NATO, all right, which could happen. Who knows? We'll see. But I know NATO has something to do with the king of the north, even though you're the ge geography of this, the king of the north back then and today is Syria, and the king of the south is Egypt. And it's interesting that these two nations 
are spoken of very much so in these end times at this time. So anyway, verse 41, He shall enter also into the glorious land, that's Jerusalem, and many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand, Edom, Moab, and the, children of, the chief of the children of Ammon, and that's uh, the area of Jordan today. Verse 42, He shall stretch out forth his hand upon the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. So Egypt is going to play a role in the end time, folks. Verse 43, And he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver, and over all the precious things of, of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. So the beast is going to have power over all the nations. He's going to have a power over all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. Verse 44. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. This is Russia and China. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly to make away many. So there's going to be World War Three, folks. Verse 45, and he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas and the glorious mountain, and he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. So when the, the sacrifices are stopped, that will begin the great tribulation. That's when the beast will move his headquarters to Jerusalem. Now, Daniel chapter 12, how do I know? Because this is talking about, it says, and at that time. So at the time when he enters in Jerusalem. And does all these things. At that time shall Michael stand up the great prince which stand for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. But this book is not sealed anymore. It's open now for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Because this is the time for it to be open right now. Verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end, the 21st century. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. A perfect description of the 21st century. Many running to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Uh, that's uh, talking about the Internet uh, and, and the ways that we get knowledge today versus the way we used to get it before the Internet. Verse 5, we're in the information age. Verse 5, then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on the side of the bank of the river and the other on the side of the bank of the river. The one on, on this side of the bank of the river and the other on, the, on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard a man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the water, upon the waters of the, of the river, rather, when he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever and ever, that it shall be for a time, times and a half, or three and a half years, forty-two months, when he shall accomplish the scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Verse 8, And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end, or till the 21st century. Verse 10, Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall be, do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. None of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And, verse 11, And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, meaning there's going to be a temple built, and there will be sacrifices initiated again, but they will be taken away by this anti-Messiah, uh, the beast, and he will use a beast, the, the political war-making machine that will have his 
his foundation in those ten nations that he's going to be ruling over, uh, which has his genesis in the United Nations right now. It should be to end NATO, which is the military arm of the United Nations. Shall be taken away in the abomination that maketh desolate set up. There shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Verse twelve. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and thirty five days. But go thy way to the end. Be for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. So I'll leave you with that, folks, so you understand who the beast is. is the geopolitical and religious system, false system, that is called Babylon in the Bible. A woman or a city, which right now is New York City. It could turn into being the actual old city of, of Babylon in Iraq because, as I stated, the United States has invested in a facility there. Um, uh, they spent a lot of money there, and who knows, they can consolidate everything there. Um, in the old city of Babylon. We'll see. But right now, New York City fits the, the description of this great city that is the woman or the whore that sits on the beast with ten kingdoms. We don't know whether those ten kingdoms are ten regions of the world or ten kingdoms. We'll find out. I'm not going to speculate. But that 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 is the beast. And this beast, uh, the leader of the beast, is, is obviously alive right now. We don't know who he is. We will know soon. And, and this beast is going to rule the world. He's going to consolidate all the resources of the world through the United Nations to dominate this planet and destroy as much as possible, uh, as much as God is going to allow him anyway, to destroy. And, of course, nuclear bombs are, are going to be used to, to break the earth into pieces. The good news is that there will be some survivors. The bad news is that we, we're stubborn as a human race, and we just don't want to listen to God, and God has to allow these things to to uh, open our minds and to, to reality. But I, I'll leave you with this, and I hope this message goes out to, to people of influence. Uh, there is a possibility. Jeremiah 18, verse 7, At what instance I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? Verse 8, If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. This is what God is hoping happens. This is what I am hoping happens. Uh, no believer and, and God and all the angels, the righteous angels, they don't want anything to happen. They don't want the prophecies uh, of the book of Revelation that leads in all the destruction to occur. We, we don't want that to happen. We hope that the majority of mankind repents. I'm doing my job by... Um, broadcasting over the Internet. It only reaches, uh, if a miracle happened, I would only reach 2 billion people. But that's enough people to get the word around. But I know that 2 billion people aren't listening to me unless a miracle is happening. <laughs> and I'm just doing the best I can. You know, I'm just a man. But anyway, I'll leave you with that, and uh, God willing, I'll be available next week for you. May God bless and protect you and keep you. Shalom. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. 
But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 